Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, El Conservador, Richie B, Mr. Call Screener, and lots of other bad names that the left likes to call me. What's going on? You can find me at Rich Valdez with an S on the social media. And this is a special weekend edition of This Is America, just for Talk Radio 1210 WPHT listeners in the Philly area. So welcome, and welcome everybody else who's listening on Odyssey.com, iHeartRadio.com, and all of the other .coms and streaming apps and podcasts that people are listening on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So we're talking about Joe Biden shutting down the virus, right? Biden says he's going to shut down the coronavirus ever since the campaign. But instead, there's more deaths attributed to the United States during his time as president than there were last year under President Trump's time as president. And oddly enough, Biden's still at it. Now, of course, he's trying to avoid the entire government shutdown uh, this week. And while they do that, they continue to tap dance around what's really going on. There's a headline in the New York Times. It says how saboteurs took over the GOP. And it talks about how they're just trying to stop Biden from doing anything. Now, if that were the case, that the GOP were just obstructionists, which they may well be, I would likely be that with the policies that Biden's recommending. It's got to be expected. This is how politics works. But it's not the only thing that's going on, right? There's there's other items at play. And we're going to get into President Trump's response to Lauren Boebert's comments about Ilhan Omar uh, coming up. But I want to talk about this coronavirus stuff because I think it's it's interesting how President Biden says that he's going to shut this virus down and it was funny to me when Peter Ducey asked him, are you going to shut it down for real, though? <laughs> Listen to this. So on COVID policy, it seems like the administration is starting to soften some of the language. There's this new op-ed where you talk about uh, COVID and we are going to beat it back. Are you no longer going to shut it down? No, well, we got to beat it back before we shut it down. Look, it's going to take time worldwide. In order to beat COVID, we have to shut it down worldwide. In the United States of America, we're doing everything that needs to be done <clears throat> to take care of the American people within our border. Of course. Now, as he's coughing his way through this, as he usually does. Now, I agree that this is a global pandemic, so it has to be dealt with globally. But hold on a second. This is not the job of the U.S. president. He's not president of the world, but I get it. Sometimes we do have to police things, whether it's militarily or otherwise. So I'm not going to be too harsh on that. But it was Biden that said he was going to shut down the virus, not the economy. Shut down the virus, not the economy. Now 
he's barely saying what's actually going on. He can barely get through a sentence without coughing. I'm not trying to make... First of all, Mr. President, uh, your voice sounds a little different. Are you okay? I'm okay. I have a test every day to see a COVID test. I have a check me for all the strands. What I have is a one-and-a-half-year-old grandson who had a cold who likes to kiss his pop. <laughs> and he'd been kissing in my... Anyway, so... Uh, but it's just a cold. It seems like the rules are different when you're Joe Biden. Now, of course, Jen Circleback Pasaki gets a little defensive when she's asked if he has to play by the rules. Listen to this one. One more topic to follow up on some of the questions from earlier. The president was hoarse and coughing today. A lot of people in the workforce are encouraged not to go to work if they are exhibiting those symptoms, even if they are fully vaccinated. So are the rules different for the president? The president, again, was tested, uh, as we put out in some in a transparent piece of information from his doctor, where he received a response quickly from that test, enable him, enabling him to proceed. People also had, he had a cold, uh, which is what you know uh, from the information put out by the doctor. But as you know from your own experience, it is possible to test negative several times before there's a positive test. So is there any concern about having him at work while he's got these symptoms, even if he is showing negative. I I can assure you uh, that the president follows every protocol. He wants to keep uh, everyone safe in the White House. And that's why, uh, obviously, we consult with the doctor and we put out that information to make it available to all of you. Go ahead. Which brings me to this piece in the post-millennial. Biden vows to beat COVID with science and speed. Now, of course, Biden claims that he's going to shut this thing down quick, fast, like his name was Flash. But... He didn't really. And if we listen to what he said on the campaign trail, he really sang a different tune. Check this out. What I would say is I'm going to shut down the virus, not the country. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm going to shut down the virus. I'll shut down the virus, not the economy. I'm going to shut down the virus. Once we shut down the virus, I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm not going to shut down the country, but I'm going to shut down the virus. But it seems like the only thing that's getting shut down is the economy because there's been a dismal jobs report. Listen to this. We go. Let's first start with, um, let's see, 4.2 percent. The jobless rate for the month of November is 4.2 percent. As for for non-farm payrolls, 210,000, 210,000. And again, that is a big miss. The estimate was for a gain of 550,000. So this is a weaker than expected report. Now, if missing the numbers wasn't bad enough, when asked about it, Jen Circle Back Pasaki, Silent P, of course, she says, well, I can't really talk about that until maybe around 930 in the morning. She's got to get her ducks in a row, of course. Listen to this. Jobs number just crossed. 210 jobs just added. So 210,000. So if we look at that breaking news right now, that's a number that feels a little... What? A little off? Well, I, I know this sounds a little archaic, but I can't comment on them until 930 uh, okay. by, by rules that because I work okay. at the White House. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, Jen Pasirkelback Pasaki, Silent P, she couldn't report on anything until 930 a.m. But as of 830 a.m., Friday morning, December 3rd, that's right. CNBC had it all reported. Job growth disappoints in November with a gain of just 210,000 despite high hopes. Non-farm payrolls increased by 210,000 in November following a gain of 546,000 the previous month. 
The number was well below Wall Street's expectations of 573,000. Despite the big hiring miss, the unemployment rate still did fall from 4.2% to a 0.4 percentage point decline. And that came even with the rising labor force participation. Professional and business services and transactions, as well as warehousing, led in gains, while hiring in leisure and hospitality were sluggish and retail jobs continue to be lost despite the traditional holiday hiring season. That's not good when you have a downward trend, when people say, oh, I'm going to pick up a part-time job because, you know, the holidays are coming. Now here it's, I'm going to quit a job or I'm not going to have a job. Not good. And of course, this stems from the fact that while the massive federal push to keep employees out of the workplace and on unemployment came to an end in September, states still have these reserves that they're using now the state funds instead of the federal funds. So there are many people that still have a year, maybe even two years left on unemployment. I think people should get an unemployment if they can't find a job. But when you're using it as the government's using it to strategically coerce and shake down small business owners, this is literally extortion by Joe Biden to force a new minimum wage forcing small businesses to raise their wages if they want people to come in. This is not a free market. This is them putting their thumb on the scale of the market. But of course, showing up to work sick with a hoarse voice and coughing makes people stressed out. It gets them nervous. Nobody likes that stuff. It messes up your your mental status. You look at the jobs report and you think, oh my gosh, not going good for America. That's why I say, listen, don't turn to the drive-thru at the fast food restaurant. Don't do the stress eating. I used to be 50 pounds heavier than I am right now. And it was because I would read all this news and talk about this stuff. And I would keep the stress all bottled up inside. There's better ways to do it. One of the ways I do it is I read these articles on this app that I use called Noom. Now, that's N-O-O-M. Nancy, Oscar, Oscar, Mary, Noom.com slash This Is America is the website. If you want to check it out, you can get a customized trial for yourself to try this app. Noom.com slash This Is America. I like the app because you could use it anytime, anywhere. Log your calories, log your meals, read up about different things. It reminds you to stay hydrated. I mean, it's a really robust application and it's customized just for you. The best part, you get a coach, a coach that'll help you go through it. My coach's name is Lori and she's always saying, I don't want to be intrusive, but I want to help you as much as I can. So I recommend giving it a check it out, as my buddy Chi Chi says, give it a check it out. And yes, that's Sheck with an S-H. It's Noom.com, N-O-O-M.com, Noom.com. Dot com slash this is America. Now, straight ahead, we're going to talk about everything else that happened this week and the craziness in Washington and some stuff that's going on in Philly. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. This is a special weekend edition of This is America on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. 
Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. This is America. The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good, Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative Talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Everybody in Philly listening to this special edition of Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And me, Rich Valdez, with This Is America. Now, this week, you know that Congresswoman Lauren Boebert got into a dust-up with Ilhan Omar, and she apologized. She took the high road and said, hey, my bad. That's part of the story that you heard this week. But the other part of the story that you may not have heard was President Trump's reaction to that. Right. He sent out a tweet uh, saying a lot of different things. And I want you to hear this reenactment from my buddy Sean Farish. He's from the Long Island Loud Majority out in New York. And he sounds just like El Trumpito Donaldus Magnus who reacted to this. Check this out. Ilhan Omar, when you think about it, total loser, and she married her brother, okay? She married her brother, and she should apologize for doing that, because you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to marry your brother. And here she is, a disgusting person, and she should apologize for being a disgusting person and marrying her brother. <laughs> That's just a little bit. You could check him out on all of the social media. But uh, th- this really did happen. This was a statement that came out from President Trump. And I'm reading from Newsmax here. Trump, Omar should apologize for marrying her brother. And that's a quote from his statement. Former President Donald Trump on Tuesday released this statement criticizing Representative Ilhan Omar from Minnesota, saying for abandoning her former country as a child and repeating a conspiracy theory that her ex-husband is her brother. Now, I don't know that that's a conspiracy theory. I think there was some sort of validity to it, but this is what Newsmax was reporting. Now, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar should apologize for marrying her brother, committing large-scale immigration and election fraud, wishing death to Israel, and for essentially abandoning her former country, which doesn't even have a government. Exactly what she'd like to see in the United States, Trump said in a statement released by his Save America PAC. Now, Omar, who was born... In Somalia, in 1982, was granted asylum in the United States as a child, along with her father and siblings in 95. The congresswoman has repeatedly called the unverified rumors for her ex-husband, Ahmed Noor Saeed Elmi, that he's her brother. She said it's absurd and offensive. And she's previously released a detailed statement and a timeline showing her marriage history. All right, well, I wasn't aware of that, so I stand corrected. Omar has been alleged to have married Elmi, a British national who returned to England about two years after his divorce from Omar in order to, for him to gain citizenship. But Business Insider notes that all of Omar's siblings were granted refugee status in the U.S. at the same time as she did. So her siblings are able to sponsor one another for residency and a green card. Trump issued his statement following a public spat between Omar 
and Representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado, a supporter of his who has just repeatedly referred to Omar as being a member of the Jihad Squad. And that was, uh, you know, what happened earlier in the week. Uh, Again, I thought the jury was still out. So, again, I stand corrected. I'm glad that she didn't marry her brother. But that is some crazy stuff. I mean, really, really crazy stuff. That's almost as crazy as the jobs report. And this New York Times headline, it says that Republicans are saboteurs and the the new Republican Party is filled with them. This is by Paul Krugman. Saying, while everything else is going on, the likely imminent demise of Roe versus Wade, the revelation that Donald Trump knew he had tested positive for the coronavirus before he debated Joe Biden and more. So they're just piling things on. Now, you know that things are not going great for the media when they're literally pushing stories from the Trump administration while it's Biden's turn. The reason why Biden doesn't have anything good to report. That's the problem. I mean, he can barely keep the government afloat. Now, he just uh, skipped a government shutdown by signing that stopgap measure to keep the government running until about mid-February. But that's not a huge win. The Senate passed it with 69 to 28. Funding the government isn't a great achievement, Biden said on Friday morning while giving remarks on the November jobs report. He said it's the bare minimum of what we need to get. Yeah, you got that right. Keeping the economy afloat, keeping gas prices sane, making sure that America prospers financially and is secure. That's your job and you're not getting it done. And this is according to The New York Post. But this is this is where we're at. This is why when he goes around the country and he goes to different places like he did last week, he went to Minnesota And the chant, instead of let's go, Brandon, it became FJB. You can figure that out, right? FJ Biden and you suck were on signs as he arrived. Not looking good for El Presidente. And that's not Donaldus Magnus. I'm talking about Joel Baboso Biden. But that's where we're at. And things only get worse and worse. On Neo Nettle, this is crazy. Look at this headline. Chicago public schools remove sex-specific restrooms to increase gender equity. And it has an image of half man, half woman, and at the bottom it says, we don't care. This is what's going on in America. The initiative, which has been described as a big step forward for gender equity, requires schools to display language outside of restrooms to inform students that they must use the restroom that aligns with their gender identity. And they're doing this to make it, quote, more inclusive. Title IX officer in the school district, Cami Pratt, has more on what's going on in Chicago. Listen to this. The new school year is off to a strong start as we've welcomed our students back to our school buildings five days each week. On top of ensuring that each of our schools is a safe learning environment, we're also taking steps to create more inclusive and supportive schools. One change that will be implemented this school year relates to our school bathrooms. In compliance with new federal guidelines, all CPS students and staff will have fair and equitable access to bathroom facilities that align with their gender identity. We will be providing all schools with updated signage that makes our bathrooms more inclusive. It will identify the fixtures available in each restroom and make it clear that all restrooms are open for use by anyone who feels comfortable. Staff will continue to have staff-only restrooms available to them. This is an incredibly important step to increase gender equity for all, which is why we will be requiring all schools to post this signage by December 1st of this school year. 
Our district's Office of Student Protections in Title IX is also working on a long-term plan to create more permanent signage for our bathrooms. I encourage you to visit our website at cps.edu forward slash OSP to learn more about our comprehensive approach to creating more inclusive, equitable, and safe schools. If you have any questions, you can email us at osp at cps.edu. We look forward to having a safe and successful school year at every school in every neighborhood across Chicago. Thank you. So now you get to go to whatever bathroom you like. Now we saw what happened in Virginia when we did that. You can't just send kids to whatever bathroom they want to go to. That's why a boy with a skirt raped a teenage girl. Now, I don't mean to start shouting into the mic. That's not my shtick. But this stuff really bothers me. And it's crazy that this is what teachers want to do. They just want to continue to indoctrinate students. Right now, California teachers are using Colin Kaepernick's Netflix special, where he actually compares the NFL to slavery, to teach their students about white supremacy. Listen to this. Become who we're destined to be. All right. So the content of this lesson is the uh, film, right? And so through watching clips in the film, what we want students to be able to do is to identify and define three characteristics of white supremacy. And in response to that, this idea of resistance that we opened up uh, this session with is brainstorming ways to cultivate community, right? Um, In relation to uh, that white supremacy that we identified. So the essential question is in what ways can we reimagine new possibilities for our communities, right? That transcend, that transform uh, white supremacy. And as you can see on the right, uh, this this lesson hits many standards um, in English language arts and literacy, and even more so there's so many ways to extend. You'll find that in creating ethnic studies lessons that it's very easy to meet standards because they're so rich and they're so engaging and ask us to engage in so many analyses of critical, critical analyses of texts. So rich. Oh my gosh, let's do backflips. This is absolutely terrific. This is a horror show. I mean, they do it at every grade level, whether it's college, whether it's kindergarten and kindergarten. They're teaching kids about using something called the respectful reindeer. Instead of Rudolph, they do this to teach pronouns. I mean, it's just it gets crazier and crazier. This year, I decided to ditch Elf on the Shelf. So I want you to meet Remy, the respectful reindeer. Remy isn't tied to Santa Claus or Christmas. And they decided to start us off with a story to give us a hint as to why they're in our class this year. Remy loves the book, They, She, He, Easy as ABC, because it's a fun, easy way to introduce littles to pronouns. After the story, Remy played a trick on us and tried to have us guess the pronouns that they prefer. But Remy quickly corrected us. How the heck do you guess pronouns for a reindeer? Z, zer, excuse me, ma'am. I like he, she, it, one. You know, like we're conjugating verbs. This is just beyond my willingness to participate. I don't want to play this game. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be involved in calling people Z and Zer, and I likely won't. I will not allow the thought police like George Orwell talked about in 1984 to get at me in this way. I'm, I'm just not going to let it happen. I could just imagine if my father was still alive today, old, old school Tough Puerto Rican dude. The things that he would say in response to this stuff. Anyway, don't move a muscle. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. At Rich Valdez on all the social media. This is a special weekend edition of This Is America on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'll be right back. This is America.
Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. At Baker's, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself. Because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Baker's. Baker's, fresh for everyone. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This is America. What's up, America? Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And, you know, I was in New York City the other day on the steps of City Hall for a press conference because, you know what, while it's not Philly-specific, you got to watch what happens in New York City because these crazy, these radical prosecutors and uh, very progressive left politicians, they're always happy to emulate what they see in Los Angeles and what they see in New York City. So watch out, Philly, because this could happen in Philly. It could happen anywhere, Chicago, you name it. This could happen anywhere in America. And what they're trying to do, Mayor Bill the Bolshevik de Blasio, on his way out, he's saying, you know what? I think every resident of New York should have the opportunity to vote for mayor. Now, it sounds innocuous enough, but the reality is the Constitution, both at the state level in New York and the federal level, both say that you have to be a citizen of the United States, not just a resident of the city of New York, but you have to be a citizen because voting rights are for citizens. And that's exactly what this press conference was about. So kudos to Councilman Joe Borelli and, uh, of course, everybody that joined him and us that day, because to me, it's of critical importance that we defend voting rights. It's bad enough what we saw in 2020 with all of the legal challenges and all of the uh, usurpation of norms like the legislature overseeing the time, place and manner of elections. And that was uh, just kind of tossed out the window in the name of COVID, right? In the name of mail-in ballots. But it's it's getting worse. Now they're saying if you just live in the place, you can do it. So now how do we prove that? You got to just prove your address, forget citizenship. What if you're on vacation? What if you're here on a long-term work assignment on a visa from year to year? So because I work in New York City, but I'm a citizen of another country, I should be able to vote? Hell no, absolutely not. This is why we have to stay informed and we have to keep the pedal to the metal, keep the pressure on. It's the only way, the absolute only way. Now, there's a story I want to get to. It's printed in the Atlantic. Now, this is interesting because I think it's totally out of control. This is an actual headline, which I'm going to guess is an opinion piece, but who cares their opinion when, it, when the, headlines, uh, the headline is this way. This is by Allie Jones in the Atlantic. Here's the headline. Here's your crucial reminder that Lara Logan has breasts. Subheadline, the rest of the lead. 
Joe Hagan's new profile of 60 Minutes reporter Lara Logan is literally called Benghazi and the Bombshell. Now, this is from May of 2014. My buddy uh, Andrew Wilkow tweeted this out, and I thought to myself, why on earth is there an article that originally appeared in The Wire, and it's now on The Atlantic, that says, here's your crucial reminder that Lara Logan has breasts. Now, of course, you can read the article and, and see what they're alluding to. But the question he posed, and one that I'll echo because I think it's it's both appropriate and, and poignant at this point in time. Imagine if that were on Fox News or a right-of-center opinion website. Wow. Talking about a woman's physiology, anatomy? I don't know. I just don't think it would go well. I think that we would be uh, brought up on every charge in the world. They try to treat us the way they treated Kavanaugh. And it makes me think, but this is why the left does what they do. This is exactly why they do what they do. Because they don't care. They don't really stay true to what they actually say they believe in. It's not really about that. To me, it's just a ruse. The feminists aren't really feminists. They just say that they are. Because they think that's the right thing to do. Here's another one. Same source. And it's in the uh, Daily Mail. The creator of critical race theory, Richard Delgado, 82 years old, says that he and his wife are inundated with death threats since the controversial academic theory began being taught to school kids. How about that? Richard Delgado and his wife, Jean Stefancic, have been inundated with death threats in recent months regarding critical race theory. Well, you know what? I don't I don't condone that i don't support that but it doesn't really shock me that people don't want this crazy this this lunacy being taught in public schools now rich why are you saying it's crazy and loony this is just one of those things where we analyze legal systems and the government to make sure that there's no systemic racism involved if it were only that it wouldn't be taught like you just heard to little kids using colin kaepernick's video to teach them what white supremacy is let alone teach them that they're the white supremacists their parents are white supremacists and eventually they're going to go home and hate their own parents if they're white but being that this is america and most people are white right that's still the majority eventually the brown folks like me we're going to catch up but we're not there yet so as far as i know george washington and all those guys bunch of white guys that started this country, broke off from Britain. I mean, that's how I understand the history. I don't get it. I just don't get it. The academic theory has been increasingly come under fire as racial tensions have come to a head in the United States, according to the Daily Mail. He points to those who were upset with Donald Trump's loss in 2020, the COVID pandemic, and Black Lives Matter as to why CRT debate has exploded. Many conservatives have become concerned that the controversial academic theory is being taught in public schools, but teachers have denied the claim because, of course, they call it social, uh, social, social and emotional learning. I always get that tongue-tied. And they also call it diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. It'd be better if critical race theory would just D-I-E. But that's not the case, and that's where we are. So Delgado is under attack. And I'm not going to say rightfully so, because I don't think he should be under attack like death threats, but I think people should hold him to task. 
I think it's important that we do that. But when you have rhetoric coming out from good old AOC, all out crazy, it doesn't help. It only hurts. Anyway, we're going to get into AOC and a little bit of a wrap up on the other side of this. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. This is Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. This This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Big shout out to Philly. You're listening to a special weekend edition of This is America. I am the aforementioned Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And I want to talk about some of the comments AOC made this week. And, man, did she make so many. You know, I'm going to have um, one of my buddies that's in the imaging business make a uh, little drop so that whenever we talk about AOC, we'll have a little song. I'm going to model it after the song by Naughty by Nature. A big shout-out to Tretch and Naughty by Nature where they sing You Down With OPP, which is other people's property, which the left definitely is. And I'm going to switch the words around a little bit, and it's going to be, you're down with AOC. Hell no, not me. And we're going to have some fun with that. So I'm going to do that for whenever I talk about AOC All Out Crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. And here's the headline here. This is in conservative brief. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez compares Republicans to the KKK. New York Representative AOC has been quick to attack Republican members of Congress for what she perceives to be their transgressions. But when she says offensive things to her party, they're swift to reprimand Republicans and stay silent when it's her. Yeah, that's pretty true. On Wednesday, the 30-year-old representative unleashed on House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and the entire Republican Party in a tweet storm comparing them to the Ku Klux Klan, saying, quote, people don't truly understand the scale, intensity, and volume of threats targeting Ilhan Omar. Kevin McCarthy is so desperate to be speaker that he is working with the KKK caucus to look aside and allow violent targeting of women of color members. It says W.O.C. I was going to say woke (laughs) women of color members of Congress. This cannot be ignored, she said. And that was in a tweet that she put out and she was responding to the back and forth with Lauren Boebert that we talked about a little while ago. She goes on, while people toss out cliches like we'll condemn all forms of racism and bigotry, the fact is Islamophobia is far too often tolerated and ignored. Bigotry is not made unacceptable by what one says about it. It's made acceptable based on whether there is or is not a consequence for it. She goes on, it's not just about nasty phone calls and emails. Republicans are given freedom to incite without consequence. They don't have to pay for their security required 
from their acts, but we do. They make money off of it. And they're targeting those least likely to be institutionally protected first, she said. It's amazing. With every breath, she puts in some sort of leftist cliche. Whining is her business, according to the brief, and business is good. But more than that, her accusations are abhorrent. And yet somehow her Democrat colleagues, the ones who censored Rand Paul, um, excuse me, Rep. Representative Paul Gosar, over a cartoon and are calling for punishment for Lauren Boebert, are quiet on this despicable attack from AOC. But when it came time to attack Representative Gosar for an anime video, Representative AOC was incensed and tore into him, saying, quote, in response to the Republican leader's remarks, when he says that this action is unprecedented, what I believe is unprecedented is for a member of the House leadership of either party to be unable to condemn incitement of violence against a member of this body, she said. It's sad. It's a sad day in which a member who leads a political party in the United States cannot bring themselves to say that issuing a depiction of murdering a member of Congress is wrong and instead decides to venture off into the tangent about gas prices and inflation, et cetera, et cetera. Congresswoman went on. What's so hard about it? What is so hard about saying that this is wrong? Now, this nihilism runs deep, she said, and it conveys and betrays certain contempt for the meaning and importance of our work here. That what we do, as long as we claim it as a joke, doesn't matter. That what we say doesn't matter. Our actions every day as elected leaders of the United States don't matter. Now, either she is hopelessly not self-aware or she's a hypocrite. Either way, her stance against Representative Gosar has become even more laughable. But her target in her tweets was not Representative Gosar, but rather Representative Boebert who was, has apologized for her remarks and called Representative Omar to apologize personally and was greeted with the same immaturity that Representative AOC has shown when she uh, was yelling at McCarthy. And blah, 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 and hung up in her face, et cetera, et cetera. And there's more on this on Fox News if you want to take a look. She goes on. Now as a strong Christian woman who values faith deeply, I never want anything. I say to offend someone else's religion. So I told her that even after I put out a public statement to that effect, she said that she still wanted a public apology because what I had said to her wasn't good enough. This is Lauren Boebert speaking. So I reiterated to her what I had just said. Now, this is, uh, obviously, there's a need for decorum in the U.S. Congress. That's, That's part of the rules. No question. But I think it's critically important that we recognize and that we realize that the sparring is part of it. Yes, we are probably more polarized today than we've ever been before. Perhaps. I mean, I can tell you locally, I meet some guys from the city of Hoboken in New Jersey, and they tell me, man, you had to see what it looked like in the 60s and the 70s elections around here. People were taking bats to people in the street. I've never seen that in my lifetime. Up until about a year ago, I didn't see any type of violence related to politics, right? But again, I'm in my early 40s, so I haven't lived all that much. But you talk to some of these OGs, and they know the real deal. So I think, yeah, we could all dial it back and tame the temperature. All of that's great. But if you're giving it out, you got to take it. You can't just sit there and whine and whine and whine like all out crazy AOC does every single time. You have got to stick to your guns and do it the right way. And lamentably, this is what the Democrats do. They're willing to break every rule that they can, 
But when it comes back at them, they're no longer willing to do it. I think this is where Republicans need to draw the line. They have to stop. They have to stop the Democrats in their tracks, calling them out on their BS each and every time. Otherwise, we're not going to get anywhere. Now, in one of her famous, famous quotes, this is ridiculous. (laughs) AOC took to the House floor complaining about student loan debt. Now, this is one I know that a lot of people are going to like. There's very few people that don't want to pay, that I should say, want to pay for a student loan. But most people have a good conscience and a sense of true north. And they say, you know what? I went to school. I borrowed the money. I got to pay it back. But good old AOC wants to continue to indoctrinate. And the way they do that is by making college free so that these can become now indoctrination mills. You can go there and you'll never get your kid back the same. Listen to this. Representative Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. Thank you so much, uh, Representative Bowman. And we're here. Bronx Boogie Down Caucus checking in. Yurt Caucus checking in. Student Loan Cancellation Caucus checking in because this is getting ridiculous. I think you're ridiculous, ma'am. But go ahead. This is ridiculous. No, ma'am. You are ridiculous. Go ahead. I am 32 years old. And you're ridiculous. I was told I'm a first generation uh, college graduate on my mom's side. And gro- her dad's an architect. Growing up, I was told since I was. She grew up in Yorktown Heights. That's where Mr. Producer lives. Nice neighborhood. As a child, your destiny is to go to college. That's what's going to lift our family up and out. That is. I think you've done pretty well for yourself, no? Would you agree, AOC? All out crazy? Go ahead. Our future. That's what we're here to accomplish. 17 years old, when college recruiters started coming to my high school saying, this is worth it. And we still do that today because it's teenagers signing up for what is often hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. It's also teenagers that sign up to defend this blessed nation. The age of accountability is 18. Now, listen, I get it. I understand what you're saying. I've got a kid going to college, Congresswoman AOC. I totally understand it. And I do think the cost of higher education is out of control. I, but I don't want government intervention in the way of paying things off and taking more tax dollars. If anything, I would like to just see how we could come to some sort of agreement where we can curtail this disgusting growth. The reason college education has become so expensive is just the same reason that health insurance has become so expensive. When other people are paying the bill, whether it be through student loans or grants, etc., everybody's happy to spend other people's money. And that is a huge problem, one that we can't ignore. We've got to stay focused on that, right? Or am I wrong? Anyway, go ahead. And we just do that. And our government allows that. We give 17-year-olds the ability to sign on and sign up for $100,000 worth of debt. And we think that's responsible policy. 30, I'm 32 years old now. I have over $17,000 in student loan debt. And you make $174,000 a year, not to mention whatever you make from other business ventures, et cetera, et cetera, which I know you don't have a job because your full-time job is Congress and they don't let you have another job. 
But that doesn't mean that you're not pulling in money in the boatloads. And once you're not a congresswoman anymore, you're going to have a ton of money on your hands to pay yourself and your team a salary through your campaign, which can become a PAC, which can become a a congressional leadership fund. I mean, there's so many things you can do with that money. So who are you kidding, AOC? You're not kidding me. Now, I do agree that kids are getting in over their head and that there should be a little bit more accountability. It should not be so easy. Uh, In fact, I'm sure there are uh, lenders out there that are predatory, not the least of which would be the ones that Barack Obama created when he made the United States Department of Education and turned it into a bank. So this is something we could do. I could talk about this stuff for an hour. I used to work in higher ed, so I know a little bit about this, not so much on the finance side, but I get it. And I get that we, we can do better on this issue, but paying it off and just making it go away by using everybody else's tax dollars, putting my hand into your pocket to take your paycheck so that we can pay for everybody else's college is not the ideal way to fix this. But that's how the Democrats do it. They're always willing to put their hand in your pocket to pay off somebody else's bill. That's something that's got to stop. And if we stand for nothing, we will fall for anything. That's what I always say, because that's a quote from Hamilton that stuck with me. The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. You've got to do something. That's why I say you got to rise up. The time is now. The zeal and the passion that AOC has is the exact zeal and passion that we need as we push back on her policies. We don't have to hate her. We don't have to be personal. This doesn't have to be ad hominem attacks, but it does have to be pro-America. It does have to be pro-liberty. It's okay to include God and not be a godless leftist. Anyway, I wish I had another hour with you guys, but that's what I've got for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. I will be back with you again very, very soon on the weekend. So keep checking in with me on social media. Keep subscribing to the podcast on odyssey.com, iheartradio.com, wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you again for being with me. Hasta la próxima. Until the next one, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 